The message of this morning is so simple, I don't want to tell you the message until we've gone a bit of a journey. Is that all right? We're going to take a bit of the scenic route before I tell you the punchline of this message because it's so simple, I could just say it right now and sit back down. But I don't want to because I want to take you through the scenic route. Now, why do we go through scenic routes? Why do people choose to take the scenic route? Because of the scenery, to enjoy the scenery. So hopefully, I want you to enjoy the scenery. And maybe you'll appreciate the scenery more than the punchline, perhaps. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. Uh, actually, Chris, Chris preached from Ephesians 2 and some of these verses, but I'm just going to take it from a little bit of a different angle today. Okay. So Ephesians chapter 2, we're starting at, at verse 1. This is a, the Apostle Paul writing to the Christians in Ephesus, okay? They're Christians, believers. Verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, which is scary but true, isn't it? You were dead once in your sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That's the devil. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. The devil is still at work in those that are disobedient. That's scary but true. All of us also lived among them one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Scary but true. But because of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. This is Christians have been made alive in Christ. When Even when we were dead in our sins, our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And not only that, not only have you been saved from God's wrath, it says, and God raised us, Christians, up with Christ and seated us, Christians, with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So I know I've asked you this before, but where is your true home? Where do you truly come from? You know, I was born in Mayday Hospital. Do you know, I was counting, you know, I, it, in the last seven, eight days, I've been in four hospitals, seven times. Not Mayday, but uh, other hospitals. But I was born in Mayday Hospital. But at the age of 13 or 14, I was born again, this time from heaven. I came from Croydon, but now I come from heaven. Currently, my current body was made in Benhurst Gardens in Silsden. But my new body awaits me in heaven. I was born in a hospital, but then, 14 years later, my spirit was born again in my best friend's snooker room in Mitcham. When Jesus lived on earth, can you remember the name that he was referred to? Uh, often by others as to where he came from. Do you remember it was Jesus of Nazareth? Nazareth yeah, he was called Jesus of Nazareth. Even the demons referred to him as Jesus of Nazareth. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth, they said. And at his death, the sign above him said, Jesus of Nazareth. But Jesus knew where he was truly from and where his home really was. 
And so speaking to a group of Jews, you don't have to turn there, but John 8, it says, Jesus said, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Even though he was right there and then he was born, wasn't he, in Bethlehem. Jesus is saying, I'm not of this world. If Jesus is from above, like he said, I'm from above, where are born-again Christians from? Really from? Well, if we've been raised up and seated with Christ in heavenly places or in Christ in heavenly realms, we too are from above. Is that really true? Are we no longer of this world, just like Jesus said he was not of this world, that we're from above? Well, I think we should believe it because Jesus confirms it in his prayer in John 17. Now, hold your, hold your place in Ephesians 2, but turn to John 17. Noah, do you like crunchy fudge or buns? Crunchy. Ah. Okay. Cameron? Is it Cameron and Nathan and Luke? Yes? Uh, tell you what. Uh, I won't throw the whole thing. Um, come, one of you come, on, come and pick three while I'm talking. Okay, John 17. Jesus speaking. He's actually praying. Verse 15. John 17, verse 15. You can come and help yourself in there if you want. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. These disciples, and I can take it from that, that those that will become disciples, born again believers after that, we're suddenly not of this world anymore. We're in the world. Jesus said, don't take them out of the world, but they're not of this world, even as I am not of this world. Isn't that amazing? I was born in Mayday Hospital, but at 14 I became born again from heaven. Isn't that wonderful? So for earthly purposes... You still need to keep your Orpington address or whatever address you have for your driving licence, your bills and things like that. You'll still have to register that you live in Stapleton Road or wherever it is. But as far as spiritual matters go, where do you belong? Where is your home address? Heaven. I don't know. Can you type it into uh, to SatNav? See if it will take you there. Out of interest... Have you ever been asked for proof of of address? Either for an application, renting a house, or a DBS check? Can you provide two or three proofs of address? Yeah? What do you normally provide? Driving license, uh, utility bill, uh, anything really that proves that you lived there for at least three months. Yeah, and it's got to be quite current as well. So here's an interesting question. As a Christian... What do you think might be your proof of heavenly address to other people? What do you think might be your proof of a heavenly address to other people? Hmm. Good question. Yeah. Jesus. What? What? But how do you prove that? Ooh. Don't you don't think you can? Hmm. Good question. Okay. 
Well, if you go home, you'll probably think of a few scriptures. Now, you might quote me from John 13 that says, Jesus said, by this, everyone know that you're my disciples if you love one another. That's one proof. But then I'd ask, well, what does that love look like? And you could probably think of ways that you could prove or you demonstrate your love for one another. Okay? But turn to Matthew 5, because I think Matthew 5 sums up your proof of address quite well. How others would know that you're no longer from below, you actually are from above. Okay? Matthew 5, 16. Jesus said, In the same way, let your light shine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. So, in the same way, let your light shine. So, what light might this be? Now, Alex has already said, Jesus in my heart. He's talking, Jesus is talking about a believer's born again, Holy Spirit-filled nature. Let this light shine, because when you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we have the light of Jesus in us. And 2 Corinthians 4 says, For God who said, let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts. So Jesus is saying in Matthew 5.16, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus here in Matthew tells us that there are good deeds to be done that let the light of who we are and where we belong shine before other people, which leads onlookers to give glory to God. There are things that you can do as a Christian that let this light shine out, that other people see, wow, and they give the glory to God. It's proof of your heavenly address, perhaps. But what might these shining deeds that we're supposed to be doing look like that give other, lead others to give glory to God? Are we talking about helping people old people cross the road and stuff like that? Well, I guess it depends on whatever the Holy Spirit, which is the light of Jesus inside you, is leading you to do at any given moment. That's what the good deeds might be. That's what the light might be shining brightly. Whatever the Holy Spirit is leading you to do in any given moment. But to give us a helpful steer as to what Jesus might be talking about, these acts of deeds of light, we can look at a time when Jesus himself was being challenged about where he came from. And this is the proof that he gave them, the proof of his heavenly address, shall we say. John chapter 10. So you should have your fingers in Ephesians 2, but now turn to John chapter 10, verse 36. What might these shining good deeds look like? that Jesus is talking about. Let your light shine before men so that they would see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. What might these shining good deeds look like? Well, John 10, verse 36, halfway through 36, Jesus said, Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy because I said I am God's son? Do not believe me unless I do the works of my Father. Now, the word work there is the same word that Jesus used for deeds as well that he asks of us, Okay. So don't believe me unless I do the deeds of the Father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works or the deeds, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. So as far as the onlookers are concerned, Jesus is confident that his deeds are suitable proof of his heavenly identity and proof of his heavenly address. 
The light of who Jesus was shone out through what he did in word and deed. And those deeds made it obvious that the Father in heaven was involved. This is God doing this. What I'm doing, it's obvious that I'm from God, I'm in God, and he's in me. But what about us? It's obvious. We look at Jesus' deeds and it's obvious that he's from God. It's obvious that he's heavenly. But what about us? What should our shining deeds look like that show others that we are born from above and that we're not just from this earth below, that God is actually in the midst? Well, what should our deeds look like? John 14. Skip forward to John 14. Verse 11. Again, this is Jesus speaking. John 14, verse 11, Jesus said, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works, or same word as deeds, again, themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works or the deeds that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Hmm. So as well as loving each other by helping old ladies across the road and taking care of each other's practical needs, which is certainly a beautiful thing to behold. I mean, have you ever had Christian love before in a, a visit or a phone call or a meal or anything that you just give glory to God because they've done something quite simple, given you a lift somewhere, visited, given you a hug? Yes, those shining deeds do give glory to God as well. But... Seeing as Jesus expects us to do the same deeds as him, and even greater deeds, do you think the emphasis might be on born-again believers also doing the supernatural deeds, empowered by the Holy Spirit? As well as helping each other in practical ways, I think the emphasis here is Jesus saying, you're going to do Holy Spirit miracles too, or you're going to see God, the Father, working through you just like he did through me. And that is one of the proofs that we are from above and no longer from below. So, when we let the light of Jesus shine out of us by the wonder-working power of the Holy Spirit, those are the deeds that people truly know to whom you belong and to whom, well, who is working. It's God and give him the glory. So there's no pressure then. Okay, no pressure at all this morning. Just go out and do those supernatural deeds that Jesus did and do even greater ones, yeah? Cool. Well, I did say the message was simple and, and please don't feel um, inadequate this morning because actually the punchline of this message, every one of it, every single one of us can achieve easily this morning, okay? So please don't give up. I want to encourage you this morning... So let's go to, actually, you're in John 14, aren't you? Well, what verse have we just read? 11 and, 11 and 12, haven't we? Okay, so Jesus just said, whoever believes in me will do the works or the deeds I've been doing and will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Okay, the, the answer to our question is next in verse 13. Jesus then said, and I will do... Whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Uh, do you remember our deeds should bring glory to the Father? Okay, Jesus is saying, I'll do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. When talking about the greater deeds, what is the one thing Jesus is saying here that you can do easily as a child of God that always has supernatural consequences? What is the one thing that you can do as a child of God that always has supernatural consequences? Whether you, whether you or the onlooker can see the results immediately or not. It, asking. Prayer. Prayer or asking, the, asking Father in Jesus' name. As an adopted child of God, a citizen of heaven now, no less, you have an amazing privilege and a responsibility to pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is one of your main roles here on earth. That is what, probably one of the greatest deeds, these amazing good works that you can do to let your light shine before others is to involve the Father in the situation, to ask in the, in the mighty name of Jesus. Okay? You may have wondered why God didn't just beam you up. Once you became a citizen of heaven, got born again, why didn't he just beam you up? And why did Jesus pray? I pray that you don't take them out of this earth, that you leave them on this earth and protect them, but they don't belong to this earth anymore. Well, you can turn back to Ephesians now. You can lose your place in John. Turn back to Ephesians. And actually, if we carry on reading, we'll find out why he didn't just beam you up immediately. That you're, you're on this earth for a bit longer. Ephesians, where do we get to? Verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, meaning you're no longer from below, you're from above now, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We are recipients of God's kindness shining on and in us, which we should let shine out of us to the rest of the world. He saved you, but he didn't just then beam you up because he wants you to be on earth to shine his love and kindness a bit longer on the earth. We are to be rare-ish. I mean, there's quite a few of us in there around, but we're rare compared to the number of people in the world. So we, Christians, are to be quite rare and privileged people of God's unmerited favour, it says here, who can be recipients and conduits of God's rich grace in the world. That's why he keeps us here on earth. Shining like bright stars in a dark universe, like he says in Philippians 2.15. Have you ever had a non-Christian ask you or for your church to pray for them? Here, you're a Christian. Can you say a prayer for me? Yeah, when you're next praying, talking to God. You ever had that? Yeah? Why? That's because they think you have something that they might not have. They think you might have something that they don't have. And it's true, isn't it? They're right. You have a relationship with the creator of the universe. Why do people write or visit their MP? Why do people write to or visit their MP? Well, it's because the MP has a seat in Parliament and a voice where it counts, yeah? Well, where do you have a seat? In heaven. Where is your voice heard? 
in heaven where it really counts. So no wonder when someone is so desperate who doesn't have a relationship with God thinks, ah, there's someone who might be able to help me. A Christian does indeed have something that the rest of the world does not. 24-7 direct access before the throne of God where you get an amazing welcome, where you can actually refer to the creator of the universe, the Lord Almighty, as Abba, Father. Isn't that wonderful? Okay, let's carry on reading our Ephesians 6, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not by work, so that no one can boast, for you are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. There's that word again, works or deeds, which God prepared in advance for you to do. So your home is not on this earth, but your current mission is. Okay? It's like when you became born again, you became a missionary or an ambassador from heaven. Just like Jesus was. And with good works or good deeds that God has planned you to do on this earth, just like Jesus had from the Father. And one of the most basic but powerful deeds that you can do as someone who is now privileged to be seated in heavenly places is to ask the Lord in prayer. Prayer is undoubtedly the most fundamental of the deeds which can lead others to give glory to God. Prayer, asking the Father in Jesus' name, is a deed that definitely says, I can't do it, but I know a God who can. I know the God who can. I know my Father can do it. Yes, we are to let our light shine by loving each other in ordinary ways like visiting, cooking a meal, giving a hug, helping someone out financially, which can lead to others giving glory to God. But alongside this, prayer that invites the extraordinary kingdom of God into the situation should be our ultimate anticipation. I'll do this for them, but I should be praying as well. That's probably the greatest deed you could ever do. Prayer. Just about anyone can help an old man across the road. But can anyone pray for that old man? Can anyone pray? Well, the Bible includes multiple scriptures where it says that God does not hear the prayers of the unrighteous. He does not listen to the prayers of the wicked. That sinfulness causes him to not hear their prayers. Okay? So if a Christian does not pray, who will or who can? Can anyone, anyone can take the old man across the road. Can anyone pray for him? I would say no. Only Christians can truly know that they can pray and be heard. Okay. We'll skip that bit. All right. The main mystery of prayer is that God, who can do anything, needs prayer before he does something. Okay. Can you remember what Jesus did immediately before he raised Lazarus from the dead? Can you remember what Jesus did immediately before he did that amazing deed of raising Lazarus from the dead? He prayed, didn't he? Why did he pray? Just, uh, don't turn there, I'll read it to you, okay? In John 11, it says this. So they took the stone away. Then Jesus looked up and said, 
Father, I thank you that, I've, that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of those standing here, that they may believe you sent me. So this is telling us that Jesus is letting us know that he's already prayed to the Father about what he's about to do, about raising Lazarus. He's now praying aloud so that other people are aware that he's praying and that God is involved and that whatever happens next, God has done this. I'm from God. I have a relationship with the Father and the Father is doing this through me. Okay? So the purpose of this message today is to encourage us to continue to pray for anything and everything, but with an emphasis on being a little bolder about overtly letting people know that you can pray for them or that you are praying for them or that your church can pray for them. May 2022, may we be a little bit bolder in saying, can I pray for you? Is there anything you need prayer for? When you, when you help Ralph across the road, which is a good deed, do the greater deed of saying, Ralph, I don't know you, but is there anything you can, I can pray for you? I'm a Christian. Can my church pray for you? Okay? Because you never know that Ralph might ask for something specifically that God wants him to ask for, that God can answer in such a way that Ralph can put two and two together and give glory to God. Okay? Prayer brings the dimension of Jesus' greater works to whatever deed you're doing. Prayer is one of the greater works, I think, probably the greatest work that God has called us to do as citizens of heaven. I'll just finish. I wanted to share with you about my experience of testimony of you praying for me, but I'll do that next week. But I just want to share, finish by sharing this testimony. In 2012, a young couple who had recently been going on an Alpha course, Tom, the Alpha course, and, and Jason, it's been brilliant, hasn't it, so far? You've only done one session, but I know it's been good. Well, in 2012, a young couple had been recently on an Alpha course in Bromley Common, where I was pastoring before. And they began, just begun putting their faith in Jesus. And they just started to come to Bromley Common Baptist Church. And Scott, uh, uh, the, the, one of the couple, uh, wrote this quick testimony for me. He said, my best friend Ben had his camcorder, camcorder stolen, which had all the films and memories of his children when they were babies and growing up. He hadn't backed them up, so all the memories were lost. When he told me, he said he was upset, by, uh, but his partner was devastated. At church on the Sunday following this news, I prayed in the quiet prayer time that Ben and his partner could somehow get their camera back. During the following week, Ben phoned me to say that whilst his partner was out shopping, she passed a discount electrical shop, and there in the window she saw the same make of camcorder. Upon going into the shop and explaining the situation, the camcorder was checked and it was hers. And all the pictures and the film were still on there. Which was odd but lucky as the first thing they normally do is to erase the footage. Ben's partner phoned Ben, who was visiting his parents on the Isle of Wight, to tell him that she'd found the camcorder with all the footage. During their phone conversation, Ben was turning his children's wooden square cubes with the letters on them, paying no attention to what he was doing. When he got off the phone, he started to tell his brother the good news, and looking down at the cubes on the table, he was shocked to see the letters on the cubes spelt 
G-O-D. Now, what makes this story a little more wonderful was that the Sunday that Scott had prayed this prayer to help his, God help his friend find their camcorder, Scott, in the afternoon, had texted his friend and said, oh, by the way, you might think this is a bit funny, but I prayed for you that you'd, be, you'd find your camcorder. And then days later, they find the camcorder, and obviously God did his little bit as well by doing G-O-D there. Let us be bolder and more frequent this new year to mention prayer to others. Take the opportunity whenever you can to say, can I pray for you? Or, you know, can my church pray for you? You don't even have to pray for them there and then. Just say, oh, is there anything my church can pray for you when we next pray? Well, I've got a prayer WhatsApp. Can I pray for you? Um, actually, we didn't, get, we didn't get to the scripture that I wanted us to. Um, I'll very, very quickly turn there because I just want you to get the punchline. Sorry. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. God particularly spoke to me because uh, I was meant to, I was writing this message so that I can preach it on the Sunday after Christmas. And as it turned out, I didn't preach it because I had COVID instead. Um, and I got convicted by writing this sermon because of the punchline. We're just about to find out. I didn't conform to the punchline. I often prayed for other people, but hardly ever asked for prayer for myself. Except the punchline says something different. So I was really convicted. And then what happens? The week after, I then find myself asking lots and lots and lots for prayer from my brothers and sisters because of the situation I was in. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Starting at verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. And later on, Paul writes a long list of the problems and troubles he's experienced. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. I don't know if you've been in that situation. I felt a little bit like that last week. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope, and that he will continue to deliver us, as you help us with your prayers. Okay, this is the punchline of the whole scenic route that I've been taking this morning. As you help us by your prayers. Your prayers help. Your prayers help. Now, there's a little bit more here. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. So the two things this morning, your prayers help. Short prayers, long prayers, well thought out prayers, out loud prayers, in your heart prayers, your prayers help. And the other bit of the message is by the the prayers of many. It doesn't matter if one person has prayed it. Oh, you've already been prayed for. Pray again. I'll pray with you as well. My church will pray for you. Next week I'll share some testimonies of what happened to me in, church, in, in hospital. Um, but just know this morning that prayer 
you asking the Father in Jesus' name is probably one of the greatest deeds you could ever do in a situation. It enables the greater works of Jesus to be manifest. And your prayers help. And it's the prayers of many too. So may 2022 be a year where we as individuals and corporately start to be bolder and more frequent in mentioning prayer, offering prayer, asking for prayer, testifying about prayer. 2022 is going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult for believers, let alone non-believers. We need to be offering each other prayer and offering those unbelievers prayer. People will be coming to you because they know you're from heaven. You've got a hotline. There's something about you. That light shines out. And one of that light is prayer. God bless you all. Thank you for praying for me so much. Thank you. Thank you.